What's up, runners? On this week's episode of the Up and Running Podcast, we're going to be discussing my most recent injury. Yes, I got injured over the summer. And not that there is a good time to get injured, but there couldn't have been a worse time because I was heading into camp season. And if you know anything about me and what I do over the summer, it is working at running camps. And those running camps require me to spend a lot of time on my feet, a lot of physical effort, and very long work hours. So in this episode, I'm going to be discussing how I not only went into camp season injured and experiencing some pain while running, but was able to come out of it 100% pain-free. So I hope you stay tuned and enjoy. What's up, runners? This is the Personalized Running Doc. I'm a runner rehab specialist, running coach, and competitive distance runner. And throughout the early years of my running career, I was plagued with repetitive injuries and told by many a professional that it was my body's own fault, that my body wasn't built for running. So either I could quit or just live with the pain. I decided to choose option three, dive into the science behind running and training, which is what allowed me to return to running pain-free and continue chasing after my own PRs to this day. And now I'm gonna tell you all that I have learned along the way and how I coach my own athletes to do the same. This is the Up and Running Podcast. All right, runners, let's dive right into today's episode. And first, I'm going to talk about what actually happened when I got injured. To be completely honest, I don't know. I honestly am, I have like a couple of ideas of how the actual mechanism of the injury occurred, um, but I can't really tell you because it came on gradually like most things. Um, and so what was actually bothering me was my left inner thigh. Um, it kind of moved around a little bit, which again, if any of this is relatable to any of you, like this is, this is the name of the game with running injuries. Sometimes things can shift and move and you can experience discomfort in other areas because your body starts to compensate. And that's kind of just how you have to work through it and you need to work with a professional that is going to be able to understand okay what is the compensation versus what is the actual like area of injury so it was my left inner thigh like right near kind of my groin sometimes it was more in the actual like muscle belly of my inner thigh Um, and sometimes it was a bit more in the back of my thigh but Other times it actually was creating some discomfort around my knee and that's because my quad was kind of picking up the slack. So again, moved around, was creating some discomfort. Um, Here's what I didn't do. I didn't stop running. That may shock some of you, but again, if you have been following me for a while, uh, if you've started listening to the podcast from the very beginning, you know that I have a green light yellow light and red light system when it comes to deciding whether or not I'm going to run or instruct and guide a client on whether or not they should run. I utilized the same practices on myself and was able to decide that it was safe for me to continue running because my pain was relatively low in terms of on a scale of zero to 10. So it wasn't Um, very intense when I was experiencing discomfort. The discomfort also was only ever happening when I was running. When I was walking, when I was moving around throughout the day, there would be like random kind of like pings here or there that would essentially just let me know that, hey, this is still something that you need to work on, but it wasn't something that was lasting throughout my days. The other thing that let me know that it was still safe to run was again because it wasn't lingering after I was doing the aggravating activity which was running so that meant that as long as I dialed back my running it could be therapeutic it could be assistive in helping to improve the muscles load tolerance again as long as I listened to what my body was tolerating the most and so I was experimenting during this time um, and seeing what felt good. Uh, Road running and downhill running did not feel the greatest at that time. Um, And so what I ended up kind of shifting my training more to, and it actually worked out perfectly as I was heading into camp, was doing more hill work and which I could still do on the roads. Um, It just had to be, I had to do pretty much hill repeats and walk down the hill. 
or I would jog backwards down the hill, or I would laterally shuffle down the hill. Uh, I just couldn't run straight downhill. Um, again, because those different movements, those different patterns of the way that I would move essentially would initiate the muscle in a different way. So like, don't be afraid to try different movements and like get it in where you can. Cause like that sometimes can be very helpful. Um, but I decided to continue with those hill workouts because again, it felt good. It actually allowed me to get the physical release of going for a run, which was something that I was craving. It also allowed me to continue to kind of prove to my body that running can be safe and running isn't dangerous and running isn't only something that is going to aggravate us and create pain. And then the other mode of running that felt really good was trail running which softer surfaces, um, you're doing more lateral movement. And so that was just, again, changing the, I wasn't just running in a straight line. And so that was allowing me to actually activate my muscles in a different way that again, felt therapeutic for what I needed. It felt like I was getting the activation and initiation in my stride the way that I needed it to occur. So that's how I essentially continued running is one, I made the judgment call based upon the intensity of my pain and the severity of my pain in terms of how long it was lingering after I would run, if it was still safe for me to run. Now, that being said, some things that I still did regardless was I did try to essentially only do runs on non-consecutive days, so not every single day in a row. Um, I would decide to strength train or cross train in between. So now we're kind of getting into what I did immediately that allowed me to go into camp still experiencing some discomfort, still experiencing some pain, um, but able to come out of camp where I had, I mean, the first camp I worked at the first week, there was 37 miles that I had to run um, with the kids. And then the second week was around 35 miles. Um, The second following camp, there's not as much of a requirement for me to run with the kids, so it's not as big of a demand, which was nice, um, but there's still a lot of time on feet, still a lot of like step count, like my step count was 20,000 to 30,000 every single day walking around camp and making sure that the kids were safe, um, but luckily there were other people on the roads that were able to run at that specific camp. But heading into camp, I had only had the week before camp I had only ran around, I think, 12 miles, but the rest of the time, okay, how did I go into camp and essentially jump from 12 miles to 37 miles, 35 miles in those first two weeks? Well, I wasn't doing nothing. Again, I was running where it was feeling good, and luckily those runs were simulating a lot of the types of runs that I was going to need to do at camp, so hill runs, trail runs, things like that, but... I also was continuing to do other forms of aerobic activity. And now the thing that I do at home that simulates, that's the simulates, oh my God, it's early in the morning here, guys. I apologize. Uh, But it is biking. I, and that is something that I actually get to do with my partner. And I really enjoy that um, because it's like a little just break from the, pounding that you obviously get from running and though that pounding isn't bad it's not going to cause injury it's not going to cause pain it can be extremely tiring on your nervous system so great way for you to continue to work on your aerobic activity and your aerobic capacity and endurance and get that heart rate a little bit up is uh to to bike or to swim and biking was what i had access to at home so though i was only quote unquote running 12 miles the week before camp and i think even uh, less than that or around the same as that the week before i was biking a lot more and so i was spending probably nearly cumulative the amount of time that i would have spent training on the road running as i was biking And then the other thing that I was doing leading up to camp that allowed me to essentially jump into this higher intensity of time on feet and the essentially the terrain that you're running up in Vermont, uh, the northern kingdom where the first camp is, 
was I was strength training. I continued to strength train two, three times a week and that's going to get you far, guys. I, I don't know how many times I will have to say it in my lifetime, but strength training gives you so much benefit into being able to tolerate so much more as a runner. Uh, I think the a, a great way to kind of like also talk about this is kind of talking about actually segueing and talking about when I decided to train for my first marathon and run Boston. Yes, did I have already a like very successful background in running and like essentially running at a very high level? Yes, I did. I ran competitively in high school. I ran competitively in college, but there was a three-year gap in where I wasn't running as competitively as I had previously because I had burnt myself out. And I wasn't in a great place with running. And so when I came back into running and decided I'm feeling really inspired by, I was living in Boston at the time and feeling inspired by the Boston Marathon, I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. Now, I essentially decided to just like jump into marathon training. And mind you, my training for that first marathon is nothing what it would look like now. It was so hodgepodge and... I wish I could say that I like knew what I knew now, but I didn't and I made all of the mistakes. But that being said, making all of the mistakes that I did, I didn't get injured during that training cycle, during my first training cycle. And you want to know why? Because it wasn't the fact that I had this beautiful like long-standing base beforehand going into it. It was because during that three-year off period where I wasn't running competitively and I was just kind of like running as I would, Um, or as I wanted to, essentially every couple of days, all the other days of the week, I was strength training. At that point in time in my life, I was strength training five days a week. And so that's what allowed me to essentially jump into a marathon training cycle with essentially no base. And I built up a base and started running longer and longer distances and was able to then come into a marathon and not get injured. And spoiler, I did qualify for Boston on my first marathon. It is not the experience of most. I don't recommend trying to do that if you don't have like the big background experience that I had. Uh, it, it was grueling. It was grueling and it was a miserable, it was an absolutely miserable marathon on essentially a perfect course. It was a very, very flat course. Um, but this is just a little segue to show, again, strength training is going to get you so far. So get strong. Be strong runners because that is going to be what gives you that longevity and ability to kind of mix up your training and kind of essentially take some risks sometimes without it truly being as as risky as somebody that isn't as strong and isn't in the gym or isn't at home lifting those heavy weights. And heavy is relative. Heavy is relative to you. So figure out what that means for you and start somewhere. Start today. If you need help starting, reach out to me. I have a program for this and I'd be happy to help you with that. Uh, But start working on your strength training. Start some run-specific strength training. Back to the original reason we are on this episode, which is me heading into camp season and essentially jumping my mileage from that 12 to 37, 35 range. And how did I do that? Essentially injured and came out of that better than ever and feeling, feeling great in running. Well, again, when we'll recap kind of up until this point, when I did get injured, I figured out which types of runs felt best for me. So that was hill runs and trail runs. Coincidentally, that's what a lot of the running at camp is. So that was perfect. And then I, any running that I wasn't doing because I wasn't running on back-to-back days, I was hopping on the bike instead for an extended period of time, either the same amount of time that I would have spent running or a little bit longer because, again, run running is a bit more fatiguing with it being more bouncing, being more pounding. So it creates more nervous system fatigue and biking does not create that same nervous system fatigue because there isn't that kind of pulsating feeling going through your body. And so it's not as neurologically fatiguing as running can be. So I hopped on the bike and I was doing a lot of aerobic activity there. The other days I was strength training two, three times a week. And so I was 
working on getting a lot stronger. And when I also say I was strength training, that was also my rehab, guys. I was doing rehabilitative exercises in the gym with heavy weight uh, to simulate the demands of running. When we land, when we run, your body essentially perpetuates three to seven times your body weight. Depending upon where we're looking in the body at the time of landing, it is three to seven times your body weight. And so you need to be able to control that. You need to be able to kind of perpetuate that force and then essentially distribute that force, utilize that force and help it essentially assist you moving forward and propel you forward. And without you working out in the gym, you're not going to be able to stimulate those loads. I don't know if you can hear little pitter patter in the background right now, but it is hope playing with the light kind of reflecting off of my watch. So I apologize for that background noise. It is also distracting to me as well, but we need to lift heavy in the gym. And so not only was I cross training, but I was strength training and I was incorporating the rehabilitative exercises that were feeling good for me, targeting the area that I felt needed that assistance right now. And again, here's something to kind of keep in mind when doing PT exercises um, or rehabilitative exercises and you are experiencing some discomfort or pain. Sometimes, again, they're go- if it- they're targeting that area, if they're targeting that workload that is kind of aggravating for you right now, there is a chance that those exercises are also going to elicit that same discomfort that you were feeling when you were running. And so many of these exercises did have a slight pain level to them. And they were falling again in that low pain threshold for me, zero to three out of 10. And so that indicated to me, okay, it's still safe to do. And as soon as I stopped the exercise, they, it didn't linger. It didn't kind of stick with me the day after I did any of those exercises. It didn't kind of perpetuate from that point. So I knew that these things were safe to do. And it was simply just targeting the area to create some changes physiologically in the muscle, in the tendon, um, in maybe some ligamentous attachments. So those things take time and we need those repetitive loads to essentially remind our body that it is safe for us to continue to to do that. It's okay to ex- essentially experience that low-level discomfort. There is a therapeutic level of pain that we can expect when you're rehabbing an injury and you're trying to build that back. And that doesn't mean that you should go searching and doing the exact things that are creating pain again there's ways that we can modify that and assist the body so that it feels easier and not as irritating Uh, but it is normal on some level to experience some level of discomfort when you're starting to rehabilitate an injury because of the fact that you are working into an area of a deficit right now an area that isn't firing or activating at its best because the pain is essentially preventing you from doing that. We've gone on a little of a tangent again, but all of it has been related to the rehabilitative process. So now I'm at camp and what did I do at camp to help me stay injury free? Because mind you, camp is very long, very long, two weeks, of very long days where you're working from pretty much 6 45 in the morning to 10 30 11 p.m at night and there's just stuff going on all day every day um i was not only a running coach where i was essentially running with the kids um one or two times a day but i was also doing presentations and I was also the camp PT and so I had office hours and was working with like a handful of kids every single time I had my door open and they needed to talk to me about their own injury or uh, ankle sprain or whatever it may be. Um, or I was talking to parents about what was happening with their kids and so that they could essentially make a 
educated decision to hopefully bring their kids to PT once they got home because these kids needed to get stronger as well. Or they had an injury that definitely needed some guidance and structured um, rehabilitation. But it was very long days. And so with that, I had to be very, very careful with how, like where I kind of exuded my energy. And so that being said, I prioritized trying to get to bed at a reasonable time. Um, I made sure that when I set up my room that I could be as comfortable as possible and get as much sleep. And so that involved me kind of trying to further block the sun from coming into the room. I had a fan literally in my bed at times because it was so hot so that I could kind of cool myself down. It was one of those really like weird weeks in Vermont where like the temperature was just like very high and it was it was not comfortable so and there was no air conditioning which was unfortunate but yes fan in the bed was blocking the sun had my eye mask um and I also had a sound machine to kind of block out any maybe like radiant sound that was coming from outside or even in the dorm that we were in so that helped me get my eight to nine hours of sleep if I like maybe snuck to bed early or stayed in bed a little bit longer than I should have. Uh, But I also wasn't just sleeping at those times, but there were certain days during the week where I didn't have as many responsibilities and didn't have to be at all of the activities. And on those days, that's how I kind of snuck the nine hours in was I would take a nap. And those naps were extremely important. Uh, I'm a person that can nap, can get up from a nap and feel great. And so I utilized it to help me kind of move forward with my days. Uh, So yeah, sleep was one of the big things that I prioritized once I got to camp. Um, And I did the best I could with it. It wasn't perfect every day. There were longer days um, than others and there were some days where I didn't have that opportunity to nap. But you, you do the best you can. The other things that I prioritized when I was there was even though I was eating outside of the norm in terms of my nutrition, I was making sure in each of my meals that I was prioritizing like a big heaping portion of protein and carbohydrates because again, not only was my just mileage increasing, my time on feet in terms of just the running factor increasing, but my energy expenditure for essentially those like, I don't know, how many, how many hours is that? 15 hours? Uh, no, it's not 15 hours. But essentially those really long work days of like working from essentially 6.45 to 10.30, 11 at night, it requires a lot of energy. And so I needed to eat more. Uh, this was not a time to be in a deficit if I wanted to be in a deficit in terms of like calorically to lose weight or lose essentially fat mass not not the time of the year to do that camp is not the time because your body is just exuding so much energy that you're if you essentially put yourself in a deficit you are going to be in a very bad place by the end of camp um not only will you potentially be sick maybe you're going to be injured even further Uh, but you're gonna be stressed out and not super happy. So I ate all of the food and I prioritized a big heaping portion of protein pretty much in every single one of my meals. Um, I, I didn't look at anybody else's plate and I think that's something that we sometimes do is we look at what other people are doing and like, should we be doing this? Is this okay? It's okay. Eat what you want to eat. Eat, eat to your desire when you need to because like you have to fuel your body and so I filled my plate and it wasn't like I was just again eating hordes and hordes of food till I was like overstuffed but I was probably eating a good portion more than most of the people in the surrounding area to me and I did not care about that because I knew what I was doing for myself was actually benefiting my ability to recover again from not only the long days but from the increase of activity in in the running side of things and so 
get that protein, get that carbohydrate in that's going to help you energize yourself, that's going to help you recover. Throughout my day, I was hydrating and supplementing with my electrolytes to the same probably degree, but I was probably just being a bit more regimented about it because again, increased time on feet, increased inactivity, uh, increase in me talking throughout the day and me sweating slightly more because again, we're walking 20 to 30,000 steps. Uh, all of those things mean that I'm going to be losing a little bit more water and a little bit more electrolytes. So I honestly can't tell you how many ounces I was drinking a day. Um, I honestly didn't have the headspace or the capacity to really kind of like actually write that down and calculate it out every single day. But I know that I was at least drinking like three of my hydro flasks, which is 30 ounces of water. And so that's 90 ounces right there. And so some days, obviously when there were longer days or hotter days, I was drinking a lot more water. I was taking in probably a minimum of like an additional 600 milligrams of sodium um, at least on a daily basis with, I would have like probably two noons throughout the day. And so that allowed me to kind of supplement my electrolytes. And again, there were some days where I had more or I had an element which has about a thousand milligrams of sodium in just one packet. Uh, It depended upon the day and how much time on feet and what essentially the requirements were going to be of the day. I'm betting all of you are listening to this and being like, this is everything that she always talks about. And like, yes, yes, it is everything that I I always just talk about because not only is returning from an injury about doing the strength training, doing the rehabilitative exercises that are going to get you stronger in that area of deficit and improve kind of the co-activation and mechanics and communication between what's happening in your in your body and your system right now and improve that safety and awareness in your brain and in your nervous system. But it is also those other things that you're doing throughout your day because those things you training, you strength training, you re, you doing some rehab exercises, you running um, or cross training, that's maybe two hours of your day, maybe two hours. And so you have another 23 or sorry, 22 hours of your day, 22 to 23 hours of your day where you need to be prioritizing those other things that are going to go a long way in helping you recover and helping you be able to feel your best. And again, I'm going to go back to like caloric deficits and injuries. And I think the biggest mistake that a lot of people make when they're injured is because they aren't working out as much, they start to restrict more in what they're eating. And that is the worst time to do that because your body still needs, your body probably needs those calories and needs that overall volume and needs that protein, needs that carbohydrate intake and fat intake more than ever because it is working on healing from an injury. And if you restrict that volume of food, if you restrict those specific macronutrients, you're going to struggle with returning from injury because your body just doesn't have enough energy to be able to heal. And the healing mechanism that your body has to go through through the inflammatory process to be able to allow you to recover from an injury or a surgery or whatever it may be, it increases essentially your metabolic burn. So your your metabolic rate increases. And so that's one of the reasons why it's so important for people to eat enough. Um, and if you want to go into a deficit, if you want to create some aesthetic changes, there are times and places for that, but it is not when you're essentially your physical activity is going to increase. So if you're going into a training cycle for a specific like race, like a half marathon or marathon, or you're going into camp like I I did, um, or during a period of time when your body is healing from an injury, like those are not the time and places for caloric deficits. But all of these things outside of just the physical aspect of training and the physical things that you can be doing to improve your pain management are important. So like I said, nutrition, hydration, sleep. And then the last thing that I'm going to talk about in terms of what I really worked upon while I was away from camp, and it 
subsequently like allowed me to because of the fact that I was at camp um, was kind of de-stressing a little bit. The previous like seven months of 2023 were a bit hectic personally and professionally as well as the fact that I like been trying to train for a half marathon during that time that didn't go so great um, because I was super busy and stressed from personal obligations and responsibilities and just things that like popped up in my life as well as the fact that I had a lot of uh, professional and business kind of like load on me Um, and so those things had me at a high stress and I I have no doubt in my mind that this was one of the if not the major contributing factor to me getting injured when I did because June was absolutely insane. Uh, Jordan and I, from the time of mid-May to the end of June, we were only home, I believe, one weekend. And that that was the weekend that he moved in. (laughs) and so that weekend that he moved in was absolutely crazy and bonkers and so the fact that the only weekend that we were home from mid-may to end of june was essentially the weekend that we moved in um obviously there was a lot like travel creates a lot of stress um on the body as well and so that's where i say like that was the personal stress that i was going through is that there was a lot of time spent in the car and there was no there was no getting around that like those things were obligations that I needed to attend and be there for my family, for my friends, for whatever reason. And then I hosted a retreat during that time. And that went amazing. But again, that was that retreat weekend was very long work hours, very long days. Um, and I, I was really invested on making it an amazing like experience for the runners that decided to like invest their time and energy and finances and coming to this like inaugural experience and so essentially what I'm trying to say is especially end of May to June I was probably at the peak level of stress that I could have been Uh, and my body essentially said no (laughs) Um, we're tired we need a break you can't keep just like pushing through this even though I wasn't actively training after like the start of June for anything, I was still continuing to run. I was still lifting at a high intensity. Those things on top of the fact of the mental and emotional stress that I was dealing with was just becoming too much. And your body doesn't understand the difference between the different types of stress. All it knows is that you're stressed. The easiest one that we can pull back on actively is the physical stressor. And so if your body is in that physical stress and it's giving you warning signs, and my body definitely was, it was telling me all the things and I was doing my best to try to listen, but there was essentially only so much time in the day. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything differently during that time. Like looking back, I, there was nothing that I could have done differently to better manage that stress during that period of time Uh, aside from probably taking more time off from like physical activity or probably just switching my mode of physical activity during that high period of stress like maybe I should have just started cross training a bit more during that time Um, but the the time of my life that it was and the obligations that I had in front of me there was no changing those things and so I had to show up and I had to do do the jobs, be there for the family, be there for my friends, kind of my partner finish moving in and like getting settled. And it was a lot of, it was a lot. It was really busy. It was really stressful. It was a lot of good stress as well. And so I think that that also like needs to be like identified as like there, Again, there can be good and there can be bad stressors that happen in your life. But again, your body only knows stress. And when you're under that high stress load, you're just less resilient to staying healthy and staying injury free. And again, if you don't listen to your body's warning signs, the check engine light, eventually your body is going to be like, hey, you've been 
essentially overflowing in the amount of stress that you can handle for weeks now. And you've been in this deficit of essentially like energy availability for weeks now. You aren't listening to the small cues that we're giving you. We're going to give you a bigger reason to stop. And for, for most people, that's either illness or injury. And for me, this time around, it was injury. And immediately when it happened, I, I knew in my head, I'm like, well, <laughs> I knew that this would potentially be a possibility. And I'm honestly surprised that I lasted as long as I did because of all of the things that were happening in the months before that as well. Again, when those things happen, yes, it's frustrating and it's defeating and it's a grueling process to get back. Um, And I recognize that me improving my kind of physical ability in two months may seem like a very short period of time. It, It doesn't in the moment sometimes. Sometimes there are big feelings of doubt of whether or not like you're going to improve and you're going to feel your best, especially when you feel like you're doing everything possible to essentially help yourself. And that's a, that's a normal part of the process. And in those moments, that's when you need to like lean on the people around you that are seeing you work so hard, seeing you work in the trenches. And that could be a coach, that could be a um, physical therapist, or that could just be your partner. And they'll remind you, hey, you're doing enough. You're doing everything that you need to be. You're trying your hardest. Uh, and sometimes more, sometimes, pretty much all of the time, more is does not equal better, especially when, again, you're recovering from an injury and it's more about those recovery strategies to allow your body to heal than it is about the physical side of things. Yes, physical is important. Load management and progression is super important. And I do believe that that's one of the reasons why my injury improved was because I continued to progressively load that area to get it stronger, stronger, and stronger. And I'm still doing that to this day. The other things that I incorporated throughout my day, the other like 50% of what I was doing, more than 50% of what I was doing and prioritizing was the other parts of my training, and that was nutrition, hydration, sleep, and stress management. And those are the things that allowed me to have more energy in a period of time, also in my life where there was going to be more energy output to allow my body to heal. To recap, hopefully a little bit shorter recap than some of the other recaps, but to recap what I did when I got injured and how I continued to actually rehabilitate my injury and come out of camp pain-free, I immediately identified how I could run and continue to run pain-free. And I focused on those modes of running, which were hills and trails. I started running on non-consecutive days, so I did not do back-to-back runs. And I started to cross-train. When I was home, a lot of that cross-training was through the mode of a bike. And something I did not mention at this point, but I didn't have a bike when I was at camp. And so what I decided to cross train when I was at camp, it was swimming or treading water. And then on the other days, I was strength training. And with my strength training, I was incorporating rehabilitative exercises because strength exercises are also rehabilitative exercises. And rehabilitative exercises can also be strength training exercises. They go hand in hand. So I was doing those things on a two to three times a week basis leading up into camp. Once I went into camp, I didn't have as much access to like heavier weights. So I was doing a lot of, a lot more lower level exercises in terms of it didn't have like the external load, but I was doing those on a more frequent basis. So I was doing those probably like two days on, one day off, two days on, one day off so that my body could again get that increase of load tolerance even while I was away. I was prioritizing sleep. I was setting my kind of bunk cabin area up to allow me to get enough sleep and that was keeping a cool area and making sure that like I could block out some light, um, having a sound machine if I needed it, and then during any point of those long hour days that I wasn't like required to be anywhere and I could kind of sneak away, I was taking a nap and getting in like 
20 to 30 minutes extra of sleep. And that, that really made a huge difference. I was eating all of the foods. That's, that's the next thing that I was doing is every time that there was a meal time, I was eating a good portion of food. Even when I wasn't hungry, I was still eating because sometimes during those meal, those meal times were at weird hours and like, you're just not super hungry at that moment. Uh, and I, I still made sure that I ate. Uh, and I prioritized a good heaping portion of protein, um, palm or fist size, or sometimes a little bit more than that. And I prioritized a lot of carbohydrates as well because the amount of energy output with the runs, the amount of energy output with just walking around on a daily basis was a lot. And then the mental and emotional energy of just being on and working with kids and working with adults and and having to have that kind of like professional demeanor like that that takes a lot of energy as well so i ate all of the foods to support myself during that time i hydrated i made sure to never let myself get dehydrated so i was drinking at least three to four hydro flasks a day which is between like 90 to 120 ounces of or no uh, yeah 120 ounces of water um and I was supplementing with my typical like amount of electrolytes which on like a minimum day that's like usually around just talking about sodium here is usually around like an additional 600 milligrams of sodium on top of whatever I'm eating and on a like high day that's usually like about a thousand milligrams of sodium Um, I don't know the magnesium and potassium off the top of my head, to be completely honest. Uh, but I know that the supplements that I take have them in them. So that's, what's important. And then stress, I was working really hard to manage my stress and kind of deload from the typical kind of, uh, stressors that were happening in my life with me being at camp. I kind of prioritized being at camp. And I prioritized my energy going into camp. And anything that was happening in the outside world, it was almost like, well, I'm in this remote place. And luckily, I actually did not have great cell service. I didn't have access really to kind of like be that exposed to the outside world. So like I was able to disconnect and really kind of prioritize all of these things as well as like having a good time at camp, seeing some people that I haven't seen in a year and allowing myself to just do the job that I was there for, which for both camps was being a coach as well as um, a rehabilitative expert and a presenter um, on multiple occasions for the kids. And so I was able to just kind of take a load off of what my typical responsibilities are and also a load off of like the other sides of my life and prioritize the energy that I did have into camp. I hope that this has been informative for you guys for you to be able to understand that when you're rehabbing an ex when you're rehabbing an injury, it's not about just doing the exercises that are going to make you better. It's also about the other things that you're doing in your life and around training that are going to get you better. And that's what's also in the long term, going to make you a better athlete and improve your performance as well. This isn't just something that you do when you're injured. And so now coming out of injury, something that I'm doing on a daily basis is I now have a journal where I'm writing down what I did for training, how many steps I had in a day. I'm writing down how much I'm hydrating, how was my nutrition for the day. I'm I'm keeping track of all of those things and my stress and I'm also reminding myself of like things that I'm grateful for so that like I have like a little like mini mindful moment throughout my day. And I think that that's helping because one, it's keeping me accountable because I know the things that work for me. I know what helps me feel my best. And even though coming back into essentially real life and kind of being in this exposure, um, like transition period of going back into my business and going back into all of like the just like events and things that I am again obligated and responsible to be a part of and entertain uh I I have to figure out ways to still prioritize myself in this period of time so 
I am journaling these things on a daily basis to keep myself accountable because I know that when I get a certain step count, when I eat a certain way, when I hydrate a certain way, when I sleep X amount, I feel my best. And the only way that I can keep track of that is by keeping track of that and writing those things down. And so that is the method that works for me. Find the method that works for you so that you can keep yourself accountable. Figure out what makes you feel your best and for you to be able to like show up your best in your life and keep doing that. Because like I said, it's going to be the things that help you return from injury and also continue to improve your performance post-injury. Last little bit here is that becoming a resilient runner, essentially staying injury-free, doesn't always mean never getting injured because guess what? As you can see, life happens. The last little reminder that I just want to give you guys is that becoming a resilient runner and becoming like essentially staying quote-unquote injury-free isn't about ever not getting injured, is never, is, isn't about never not getting injured again. It is about improving your body's ability to recover from that injury. And so over the last seven plus years, I have worked really hard to improve my body's ability to essentially return from injury. And honestly, this is probably the longest something has bothered me in terms of like a muscle strain irritation um, in a very long time. Most things that I have pop up, if I do experience some level of discomfort, I can, if I hone in on these things again, uh, in terms of nutrition, hydration, recovery, stress management, and doing like the physical things as well, I can help my injuries kind of essentially uh, resolve within a week or two. And that is what I kind of deem as injury resilient and staying injury free because is it if you have to modify your activity for like two weeks is it really an injury I don't really think it is I think that's just kind of again your body giving you that like warning sign and like allowing you to kind of just like reset and um put the things back in priority that need to be in priority for you. It's your body's always going to be smart for you and let you know what it can actually handle. So that's what I actually deem as being a resilient runner and somebody that is working on staying pain-free or injury-free. It's not not getting injured. It's just improving your body's ability to recover from that injury at a faster and faster rate because each time these things happen, you react a little bit quicker and you start to prioritize those things a little bit more. And you become just more aware of the fact that, of the fact of when things are kind of going a little haywire. And again, sometimes in those cases, you can't control it. You can't really do too many other things to, to kind of mitigate something from happening. Essentially, like what happened to me in the end of May to June, uh, there wasn't much that I could have changed aside from maybe changing the mode of my training at that time and, and decreasing like the neurological fatigue that I was experiencing with that training. But it's just about being more aware of it so that in these moments of self-reflection, you can look back and you can see, ah, yeah, it wasn't just this one thing. It wasn't just running too many miles that got me injured because I wasn't running that many miles at that time. I, in the weeks prior, I had been running more, but it was the amount of stress. It was the amount of overall load on my body during that period of time that made me less resilient to being able to handle that increase of load. Uh, and that load was mental, emotional, and physical stress. And so now that I can be a bit more proactive, now that I can kind of look back and be mindful about what actually happened, I can continue to work on being more proactive moving forward. So I hope you guys had 
some takeaways from this episode and again learned the things that really go into the rehabilitative process and returning from injury and that it's not just one thing it's all the things and it's not making sure that it's perfect it's just doing your best at them and allowing your body the time the grace and the capacity to heal at the rate that it needs to heal and your body will give you that your body will let you know when it feels safe and when it feels secure enough to do that if you are a runner with a running injury uh, i know that we are essentially going into the peaks of marathon season so if aches and pains are starting to creep up in your life reach out to me dm me on instagram at the personalized running doc and let's chat let's talk about what's been happening with you and let's see if i can help you get to the starting line pain-free we're about four weeks away from berlin and we are about six weeks away from chicago and with the program that i have with my runners the runner reset program i essentially can guarantee within the first four to six weeks that runners will experience a decrease in their pain or a complete resolve it's a little bit of a tricky balance with marathon training and also managing that load but if you're willing to do the things i can help you get there so reach out to me on instagram dm me at the personalized running doc i would love to hear from you hear your story hear a little bit about what you're going through and help guide you along that path but enjoy the rest of this coming week guys enjoy your training enjoy those little mindful moments that maybe you can take to have some gratitude and appreciation and reflection on what you're doing in your training and in your life as an athlete but that is all for today's episode of the up and running podcast i hope you enjoyed and had some key takeaways from today's episode If there are other questions or topics that you are looking for me to dive into, please reach out to me via Instagram and shoot me a DM at the personalized running doc today. I'll talk to you soon.